Hey, welcome into the Irish NFL show presented by Trust Gaming, also presented by Matchbook Betting Exchange. Michael McQuaid here, joined by the lads. Thursday night football, the Bucks are playing the Eagles. Delighted to bring everybody into the show as I bring everybody in and take myself off full screen. If I can actually do that, even though we're live. I love, love doing this when we're live. W- welcome into the boys. Boys, welcome in. I'll hear from you in a second, but just first off, pinned tweet. We're giving away two tickets. To the Dolphins against Jags on Sunday at London. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, we'll see you there as well. But let's bring in our guest, uh, Bo Wolf from the Athletic Philadelphia. Big Eagles guy, Bo. Uh, a very warm welcome to the Irish NFL show. How are you? Thanks for having me, guys. I was gonna, I could have gone with like a, a fake Irish accent, but I thought that might be crossing the line. It would have been good crack, to be honest. It would have been funny. <laughs> have you ever been to Ireland, Bo? Yeah, I've been to, uh, been to Dublin and uh, uh, Kilkenny. Those are my those are my stops and like, a, but I'd love to go back. Awesome. Fantastic well, time. Well, when you, when you come back, uh, you'll have to to check out uh, Cork and Galway uh, as well, Bo. Uh, two other uh, great cities, and get up north to to visit Michael. I'm sure he'll uh, show you around the the Giants Causeway and uh, and whatnot. You got um, a place to stay for me, Michael. I mean, if you're a Game of Thrones fan, it all happens up here. <laughs> These guys won't tell you. It's better up here than it is down there. But, uh, of course, there, there's always a place to stay. Don't worry. I think that, that means he's got a castle for you, Bo. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, a lot a lot of changes at the the Eagles in the, the offseason. Obviously, Nick Suriani coming in. And uh, saw a, a tweet earlier in the season uh, which uh, said, uh, Nick Suriani reminds me of the Ted Lasso of the uh, NFL. What, what do you make of uh, his start uh, to uh, his tenure with the Eagles? Uh, so, you know, I, I've... Uh, I've heard the Lasso comparisons. I've made them occasionally myself. Um, and and where I think it lines up is in his inability to be anything but sort of his authentic self. Um, now, I don't think it, it it works necessarily quite as well. And, and I don't think he's, uh, you know, quite as shticky as, as Lasso is, obviously. But but there is something to it where, like, he sort of can't turn off what his natural personality is. And there like there is an authenticness um, to the way that he deals with us and, and, and with the players in the locker room. Um, you know, I sort of think about like his job in three different silos. And one of those is, you know, you know, culture setter, leader of men, you know, are the guys willing to follow you. And I think he's done a good job on that front. And that's where I think like his lasso-ness, if you will, has has done well. Um, the second pillar, because he is also the play caller and he was brought in to, you know, set up this offense is as, you know, sort of the de facto offensive coordinator. And I think that has been mixed results. Um you know they had they don't really have a uh, a week to week offensive identity. Um, I have been perplexed at their unwillingness to sort of build the offense around Jalen Hurts's ability as a runner. Um, they have not really done a lot of zone read stuff, and when they do do it, it works out very well. I think they're fourth in rushing DVOA, in, which doesn't even factor in Jalen Hurts's scrambling ability. So, uh, to my view, they have sort of been up and down on that front. And then the third pillar for me is, is sort of game management, in-game stuff. And I think he hasn't done a great job there. Um, he, ha- he went for it on a couple fourth downs in week one and, and failed. And I think he sort of overcorrected to that and has been a little bit more conservative since then. So, uh, you know, it's still early going. It would be unreasonable to expect a first-time play caller, first-time head coach to be like a finished product six games into the season. But so far, I'm, I'm, um, I'm a little bit wary, I would say. Bo, you touched on Jalen Hurts there, and, and leading into the season, there was a lot of speculation as to whether he was going to be the quarterback in the long term. Obviously, if they got the two first round picks next year, potentially a toward if Carson Wentz plays to 75%. Do you feel that the way the season started, he's got that opportunity, or do you still think they're looking further down the line, potentially? So, I mean, I think they've always sort of had their eyes down the line. Now, Hurts has had this, you know, season uh, sort of audition. And not to, not to repeat myself, but to go back to like them not building the offense around him and his skill sets, it's just sort of like a, a tell that they don't really think that he can be the guy and they're not willing to give him that chance. And I think what what would worry me as an Eagles fan is if this season is all about finding out if Jalen Hurts is the quarterback and if Nick Sirianni is the head coach, I'm not sure that Jalen Hurts is good enough to give us the accurate read on Nick Sirianni's offense. And I'm not sure that Nick Sirianni is good enough to give us the accurate read 
on Jalen Hurts as a quarterback. So, uh, you know, it, it worries me that it could end up being a lost season in that sense. That said, like their schedule is about to get very easy after tonight's game. There's a good chance they can rack up some wins, get into the wild card hunt. We'll see what happens then. But uh, I, I, I worry a little bit about that. And to your point, like they've got potentially three first round picks next year. At worst, probably four picks in the top 50. They're going to be they've pointed towards next offseason. Everything is pointed that way with with money coming off a of salary cap, these draft picks. So I think that they are they are definitely always going to be monitoring the options available at quarterback. Uh, Bo, you, you said you visited Dublin and Kilkenny, and obviously Kilkenny have been dominant in hurling. Dublin in recent times has been dominant in Gaelic football. But one team who no one expected to be dominant this year was certainly the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, during the off-season, we interviewed Alex Singleton, who was actually a lot more oh, positive, nice. obviously. I mean, what else is he going to say? But he was like, I think we're going to surprise people. I think we've got a good team unit. And week one, they came out and they certainly surprised a lot of us. I think with four of us had all gone with the Falcons and they handed them their, their behinds on week one. Their only other win since then was last week against the Panthers, which, let's face it, was pretty damn lucky when you consider Sam Darnold's three picks blocking a punt in the last four minutes of a game, which is rare, if not nigh on impossible. Um, am I potentially summing it up a bit too negatively, though? I mean, what's your feeling on the team? Could they make a surprise wildcard push, particularly given the weak division? You know, what's your sense of what the, the level is going to be like for the rest of the season? So I don't think that you're too negative. And I think I think that the Eagles are one of the many teams in the middle who are going to sort of reflect their opponents. You know, I don't I don't expect them to beat the best teams in the league and I expect them to beat the worst teams in the league. And then it's a coin flip with everybody else. And, you know, you look at especially their defense. So they play the Bucks tonight. That will be through six games. They will have played three of the best four offenses in football and four of the top 10. Over their next 10 games, they play one good offense. They play the Chargers, and that's it. Um, so, like, they do have a chance here to hang around. That's why I thought last week was was a huge game, because if you fall to one and one and five, potentially it would have been after tonight, it's going to be much harder. You risk, um, you know, guys sort of uh, not fully buying in for the rest of the season. I think last week's win was huge. After this, they go to Las Vegas, and then they get into, you know, playing teams like the Lions. Um, and then, you know, What's what's a little bit disappointing for the Eagles is that they don't play the rest of the NFC East until the final five weeks of the season. So if they can just sort of tread water and then pick up wins against the Giants in Washington, I think that's possible. I do think that they are a better team than both the Giants in Washington, but we'll just sort of see how, you know, injury attrition plays out over the, the course of a, you know, a tough NFL season. I'm not going to lie, lads. I'm loving the Ted Lasso references as Mark disappears. I'm not, I'm not sure where he went, but... Uh... Really love like the answer. <laughs> <laughs> and also Mark saying Dublin dominant, not anymore, but a different different story for a different show. Um, obviously, Bo, one player that seems to start it very well is by receiver Devonta Smith. He's had a good start to the season. That touchdown in Atlanta, the opening game was great. Um, you could argue the four wide receivers from this draft, uh, Chase, Waddle, Smith and Tony have all started the shoulder skill set. Have you any early impressions there yourself? Yeah, I think Devontae Smith is really good. I think he's sort of been the number one receiver on this team since the day he showed up at training camp. And that may not be saying much considering the competition on the roster, but he's been really good. He's got the most receiving yards for a rookie through five games uh, in Eagles history behind or ahead of everybody except for Deshaun Jackson. So he's second. Um, and, you know, last week, like they he had seven catches for 70 something yards or something. He had a fumble and he's had a few little rookie rookie mistakes, but he is just, he's so smooth. He is so uh, ahead of, of his time, ahead of his age in just the, the little things that he does within his routes to get open. Uh, I think he's going to be really good. And like he has been, people were worried about the size and he's been, you know, he's been playing at that size his whole career. Like as it's not an, uh, a new thing for me to say, but like he was doing this against SEC competition with those teams trying to stop him as their first priority. And, you know, he obviously had a historic season. So I think he's going to be really good. And I, I I actually think that they need to give him the ball even more. I would like to see him become an even larger part of the offense. And maybe tonight against a, sort of a banged up buck secondary is, is an opportunity for him to make a, a big splash on, on a national stage, international stage. 
In, indeed. Um, I think I'm probably the, the most positive about the, the Eagles uh, on, the, on the show, uh, even, even with you, Bo, because I, I didn't think they'd win a lot of games, but I thought they'd be entertaining, and they have been. And I mean, I guess I'm a Broncos fan. Watching Jalen Hurts play, the kid has moxie, and he stays in the game. And uh, if I compare him to some of the guys the Broncos have had at QB, I'd, I'd certainly take him. And I'm interested in in tonight's game. I mean, look, yeah, you're up against Tampa, all of their weapons, um, um, you know, that that side of things. But um, we heard Brady uh, give a shout-out to Eagles fans, and I'm sure they're going to be giving it to him from uh, first whistle to last. Um, he deserves it. Oh, abs- absolutely. Um, but we know that one of the things that he the, – the only way you can get to him is pressure. And last weekend against Carolina, um, the Eagles had four players with six pressures. Um, Javon Hargreave in particular is having himself a season. They intercept Darnold three three times. The Bucs allowed Jacoby Brissett to throw for 275. That's Jacoby Brissett. Um, is, there, is there any uh, potential for an upset this evening? It's gonna take it's gonna take something crazy. Uh, I think it's gonna take some injury or uh, turnover luck. I would guess because you know, like going up against Brady uh, on a short week. Jonathan Gannon, the Eagles' defensive coordinator, talked about how they can't really afford to like come out with some crazy game plan on a short week because they haven't had practice reps. Like it's just been walkthroughs all week, and so they have to do what like their base defense is. And their beast their base defense is you know sit back in zone and don't blitz a lot and dare the opposition to drive the ball down the field and not make a mistake. And like Tom Brady, that is just, I mean, that's catnip, right? Like he, he, it'll be so easy for him to do that. He's willing to be patient. He gets the ball out so quickly. Um, So it's a, it's a bad matchup on that side of the ball. That's why I think it will sort of take some kind of fluky turnover or two. Uh, But on the other side, like I do think that the Eagles can move the ball against the Bucks. Uh, you know, that Bucks run defense is so good that opposing teams aren't even really trying to run. They're they're just sticking with the pass. And that's fine for the Eagles. I, I just uh, it, it's it's hard for me to imagine this game not being something of a shootout. And it's then hard for me to imagine the Eagles winning a shootout under those uh, under those circumstances. That said, if you're ever going to beat this team, uh, if you're the Eagles, you know, short week at home is probably as good of a chance as any. So, uh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. Bo, if they are to win this evening, they can sit back and relax this coming Sunday and look out for the results of winning, within the division. And for me, two surprises in the division is how good Dak Prescott has looked so far and how efficient the Cowboys have looked offensively and then how poor the defence of Washington football team has been because last year going into the playoffs, everybody was raving about them and they, there was such high expectations this year. Are you surprised how it's played out so far? I'm a little bit surprised at just how good the Cowboys are. I'm with you on that front. I mean, their defense has definitely taken a step forward, and Dak looks – you know, I was I was worried about the shoulder injury over the summer. Uh, I was worried there might be some ramifications of the injury from last season, but he sort of picked up right where he left off. And, and to me, they look – I mean, they look like a, a, a Super Bowl contender, at least. They're in, that, they're in that upper echelon right now. So that has surprised me a little bit. Washington has not been as much of a surprise to me. Um, you know, over year over year, defense is always a little bit more variable. It's not quite as sticky as offenses are. And so I sort of did expect their defense to take a little bit of a step back. They're they're not very deep on defense. And, uh, you know, Jack Del Rio is not necessarily like the, the world's greatest defensive mind. So uh, I, that didn't surprise me a ton. Obviously, the Ryan Fitzpatrick injury affects things for them. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think like the Eagles, Washington and the Giants, all of those teams are sort of stacked together and if it was up to me i would probably pick the eagles as the best of those teams but again you know who knows how the schedule plays out and and what other injuries come forward over the course of the season uh bo daedalus warned icarus not to fly too close to the sun and he didn't listen and there much be said about carson wentz's injury history and that he perhaps flew too close to the sun and ultimately brought him back down to ground and now very much to indiana um the one thing, though, about the Eagles roster, we were constant in our preseason show, was that there doesn't seem to be a lot of star power around. I mean, you can look at the tight end position maybe as a, a prime example. And, of course, we all wait as fans with bated breath to see how Jalen Hurts might develop. But for someone who's following the team far more closely and seeing a lot more of them, 
Are there any underrated players below the, the radar, effectively, who you think are stars or stars in the making that people shouldn't be sleeping on and maybe should look out for in tonight's game? Well, first of all, these lead-ins to these questions are fantastic. I appreciate that. Um, so, you know, it's interesting because you're right, and part of that is the way that this roster is structured, which is a result of bad drafting, and that is that the roster is filled with players who are 30 or older, you know, guys who have been around a long time, and really young guys. Like, guys in the prime of their career on their second contracts are not to be found on this roster, basically. Uh, and that's because they whiffed on a bunch of draft classes. Now, the one guy who is there is a guy who they signed in free agency, and that's Javon Hargrave, who you mentioned, who one of you guys mentioned earlier. And he has been outstanding. I mean, he has been probably the best or second best defensive tackle in the entire league through the first five weeks. He's got six sacks. He uh, has been just dominant on an every down basis. And it's been sort of refreshing for me because. Uh, every year in, in training camp, you're like, wow, that guy is having a great season. I, I you know, I, I hope he carries it over just because I want to know if training camp is real. Like what, what I'm seeing is not lying to me. And usually it's the case where it doesn't follow through. But this year, like Javon Hargrave in camp day in, day out was the best player on the field. And throughout the, these first five Eagles games, he has been the best player on the field uh, as long as they weren't going up against Patrick Mahomes. He's He's been awesome. And I think you will see him a lot tonight. And because he's next to Fletcher Cox, you know, defenses can't fully key on one or the other of those guys. So uh, it's a good chance. And everybody always talks about Tom Brady get pressure up the middle. If that is true, uh, if it's not just a trope that we always repeat because he's been around for so long, that that is where the Eagles would have a chance tonight with with those two guys. I think uh, Hargrave is the guy who is be, is going to become a star this season. Just finally, for Muspo uh, on tonight's Thursday Night Football, obviously it's been fantastic having you on. Can you maybe first of all, Tell us where we can get your content up because we can get the athletic here in Ireland and in the UK. And secondly, who's your pick for the game and why? Uh, well, thank you guys very much for having me. You can follow me uh, on Twitter at Bo underscore Wolf. That's W-U-L-F, although I, I can't necessarily recommend my tweets, but I, I do think that uh, you might enjoy uh, checking me out on The Athletic. Uh, just search for, for Bo Wolf on The Athletic if you're a subscriber. And if you are not a subscriber, theathletic.com slash birdswithfriends will get you a very nice discount. That's the name of our, our Eagles podcast that we do with Shil Kapadia and, and Zach Berman. Uh, as for tonight, you know, I want to say that like crazy things can happen on Thursday night football, short week uh, at home. Crowd will be juiced. They love going up against Tom Brady. I just like matchup wise, it's very hard for me to imagine this defense stopping that Bucks offense. And so I, I, I'm going to go with the Bucks. I think 35, 23 was my prediction. So uh, maybe the Eagles are sort of within a score throughout the whole game, but it, but it doesn't necessarily come come down to the wire. Well, look, we're delighted to have the opportunity to chat to you, and uh, hopefully, we can welcome you back on at some point in the later in the season. And uh, look, you've got a castle waiting for you whenever you make it back uh, to uh, Ireland and uh, go up north to visit Michael. I'm taking you up on that. I want some of those beers you guys are drinking. I can't drink before the game, but. When I get to Ireland, Cheers. I'm joining you. It's <laughs> launch it. launch it. Thanks very much. Oh, Paul. Thanks a million. Thank you. Thanks, man. guys. Anytime. Thank you. Thanks, Thank you. Uh, Bo Wolf from The Athletic. Obviously, you can subscribe to The Athletic Ireland's UK uh, in sterling or in dollars. So, uh, can, can you get it in euros yet, boys? I have no idea. I'm not sure. You can, Mike. I'll, 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 know, I'll know at renewal time, but um, yeah. exactly. it, it wasn't, you couldn't previously. We have a few comments here before we get into um, tonight's show. Michael, you can also get petrol and diesel down in there. Ah, yeah. ah right. Grant. Grant. That's good. Nice to see you today, Mark. Thanks very much for coming on. I know you've been on, you've been on and off there for a few minutes. but uh, Mark's you, doing the okey-cokey. We bad. have fuel up here. It's 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 England and Wales that did in the field, but like, thanks for the for, for the joke. Um, I'd done it in Navin a couple of weeks ago, and I think that's even... Um, even better yeah that went down that went down great yeah what comments have you got for us uh, at ni bronco hi guys great job at the spurs stadium last week alistair who's in bangor county down alistair good man thanks a million for your comment I don't know colin that's the guy we met last week probably no it wasn't we we met a guy there, there was a there was a guy in the broncos jersey who gave us a thumbs up from far away it might well be Alistair. Be it was. Hi, Alistair. Oh, bro, oh, bro, it was all bright undercover, was it? <laughs> <laughs> There's also a comment saying, uh, at Kearns RK column, dot, 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 
please don't fall into that mug. So uh, there you go. There's also a few other comments. The legend is back. Hashtag Mark. He's legend in that he's a mythical creature at times. And then he said, your cards got lucky last week. Mark Hogan's the Cardinals fan. Mark Cockrell, unfortunately, is a, is a Patriots fan. <laughs> maybe Mark might support, start supporting the Cardinals at this rate. But um, there's a few ones. Um, the Birds, are, the Falcons were brilliant on... Aon. Aon. They're an insurance uh, company, Michael. Yeah. Yeah, these sponsors. Oh, Fred, Fred here, Flunk. Here comes Fred to upset me again. <laughs> uh, Fred's saying Tampa Bay by 14. And he's yeah. also saying, um, Brian, good to see you talking up the Cowboys. I, I, I agree. I, I, I have to be nice. Guys. I have to be nice. It's great to see uh, uh, Troy Aiken comparing Diggs to Deion Sanders last week. Never mind the uh, 170 yards he got hosed on during the, throughout the, the remainder of the game, but he did have one exception. <laughs> and now he's the new Deion Sanders. Like, give me a bloody break, would you? Uh, Troy um, Jeez. Oh, right, as bad right. as listening to Tony Rome will come Diggs, Diggs, like, Diggs can't even play, you know, leadoff hitter in baseball. <laughs> yeah. we're gonna talk boxing like six or seven minutes first off i know there's a lot to talk about mark um welcome back where the hell have you been at mate no, um, i mean i i could have got down to dublin and back but i'm only joking welcome back no thanks buddy and look yeah apologies i wasn't able to join you guys in london last week and work commitments and the like but looked absolutely amazing looking forward to going uh, this weekend, obviously, when well, you boys do it all over again. I just, you know, visit it for the first time, but uh, looks fantastic. Can't wait to to join you and good to be back with you boys talking some ball. Um, I mean, Michael, you say there's plenty to talk about. I mean, there's been one story uh, fundamentally that's been dominating the airwaves at the moment, which uh, we all know is the first coach to leave their position during 2021 wasn't necessarily a firing, wasn't necessarily one of the names you would have expected, uh, but the coach with the longest tenure contract in the NFL uh, has left his position. If you haven't been living under a rock for the last while, John Gruden resigning from the Las Vegas Raiders uh, due to various information that came out during the week. I know, was this John's? We're just, we're just talking about fires. This is my fire right now. It's lovely and toasty here. Maybe not as hot as John Gruden's. Uh, I think your 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 carver looks as old as John Gruden, though. I know, and I'm renting, Brian. <laughs> I'm renting until we get the blue text on all of our accounts. So, uh, yeah. uh, fine, but fine. look, I mean, Michael, in a very serious note, um, there's many people have already commented on this, and there's lots of different ways and takes you can take on it. Obviously, from a European perspective. Uh, an American perspective on the challenges of race and especially race in professional sports doesn't necessarily resonate. We don't live in the, the same culture and, and get the same experiences. We haven't lived the same shared experiences. This is why as a international community, for example, um, Germany's views on privacy laws are very different. This is all about historical context and what people have lived through and experienced. Um, but Gruden's comments and emails that have come to light, I mean, kind of, I think it was inevitable. There was no other way to go, um, especially when you consider the organization. I know you guys are Broncos fans, uh, but of all the organizations, we talk about the Steelers and what they brought to the community. You look at what the Raiders have stood for when it comes to the nature of diversity. Um, you look at what Al Davis stood for. Um, when you think of Art Shell, first black head coach in the NFL, Tom Flores, the first minor, uh, Latino quarterback, and subsequently first person of color to win a Super Bowl as a, as a head coach for the Raiders. Um, Amy Trask, first female chief executive. You know, Al Davis used to refuse to play games in cities where black and white players would have to be segregated and stay in separate hotels. So they have demonstrated class as a, as a you know, a community, as a franchise, as an organization, um, and as a family in many respects. Obviously, it's where their wealth comes from. They're not the Jerry Joneses and the Robert Crafts of this world. Um, most of the craft, uh, the, um, Davis family fortune is based in the Raiders. Um, so for something like this to happen, you know, I think that franchise obviously would have taken the relevant steps if Gruden himself hadn't. Um, uh, and that's one of the things I think is a, a byproduct of, you know, the person does not represent the franchise, even if he was the head coach. Yeah. 
think Mark sums it up very well. Just I suppose one point just on the, the nature of the story last weekend, it was becoming more evident as the as the weekend went on that the league were putting the Raiders or Gruden in a in a position where one of them had to make that decision rather than the league getting involved and suspending him or removing him from the league because gradually as the weekend went along and numerous emails were starting to come out and it was a case of we'll continue to present this information until you ultimately you make the decision so it went from one email last friday to dozens and to be honest and imagine before it's only the tip of the iceberg and you'd wonder well, who else out there is kind of what, what was this term we saw i read this week hiding in the long grass because there's people like bruce allen and others that potentially could be next up in terms of you know investigations to come well as a fan of a team in the afc west obviously hatred for the raiders but taking all that aside i think column it's uh it's very disappointing isn't it you know just to see in this day and age that that's been going on yeah i think randy moss's comments last sunday um were uh you know he, he put it better than i think anyone at that point and it, it, gruden had to go but look um we we're going to see as brian has, has alluded to i saw a great tweet from mike freeman earlier where he said the nfl is making a simple cold-blooded calculation pr damage of not releasing the emails on a scale to one to ten is three pr damage of releasing them is a billion doing the right or wrong thing isn't part of that calculation um there's a long there's a long way to to go in this um there are other people on on the other side of those emails this was an investigation into the washington football team um you know we we will see i will just one quick point on what has been um brandon staley's comments on this i thought were outstanding he showed real leadership and the chargers are proving that rookie QBs and rookie HCs do not need extended time in this league to look like real pros and to be real leaders. Um, it's, it, Justin Howard was outstanding from moment one. Brandon Staley thus far has been absolutely outstanding as a head coach. Um, in every time he steps to the podium, he's impressive. And, and Colin, can I just add to that? I was going to mention Brandon Staley as well, who's unbelievable um, and puts into a dark context the comments by some other commentators, like Tony Dungy's initial defense of Gruden's comments. And Tony Dungy, you know, has done a lot of good in this world has rehabilitated players and has been there as a voice for things. But it's like, you know, there are things that deserve criticism at times and not explanation and understanding and forgiveness um, in respect of it. Um, my CEO is a great uh, expression he used on a regular basis. He said, trust is earned in drops, but lost in buckets um and that's the reality of what we just saw unfold and in terms of calling out people who have amazing take on this um ryan clark's comments as well the other week when he talked about the privilege exercised by gruden in assuming that he can make these statements then say but i'm not going to talk about them um searing you know but fantastically analyzed by a former player in the league uh who has obviously lived in that culture we are delighted now to be joined by our next guest on the show this week a guy that's covered the covers of books on the athletic spent 19 years at the tampa bay times delighted this is the second person we've had karma vitali on before uh, but now we're delighted to welcome a uh, greg allman to the irish nfl show greg ahead of thursday night football thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us on game day as well a very warm welcome into the show hey thanks for having me guys i really appreciate it greg obviously i'm sure you know yourself by now you don't need an introduction but a lot of people here support man united we have the glazer aspect to an extent but uh, have you any irish heritage yourself i do not i do not no i'm actually in my hometown of philadelphia uh born here and uh happy to be back here that's as close as i get to uh to back home for you guys um greg i suppose one of the, the we see that tom brady is going to be playing uh with a, a some sort of thumb injury though i imagine if um if tom uh you know he had his hand in plaster cast he'd find a way to to play such as uh his uh his ability and his robustness but um how how is that likely to Im impact him or is it serious might we see him uh hand off to to Lenny a little more this evening I don't think it's a huge thing he, he played the entire second half last week with the bad thumb um he went 15 for 18 with three touchdowns after the injury so um some of that could kind of be just the adrenaline of pushing through a game um we saw him kind of have a glove on the hand have the hand wrapped at, at the podium when he talked 
I don't think it's a huge thing. He's actually played through worse hand injuries on his passing hand, his throwing hand. Um, I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be business as usual. Um, if if he were to hurt it again, if he were to take another hit there or hit it again on another helmet, um, then maybe you'd have more problems than you would just starting out a game from scratch. But otherwise, I don't think it'll be a huge factor. Greg, uh, numerous injuries on the defense, in particular in the secondary. But I suppose last week it really wasn't exposed because the game was comfortable enough come you know, mid mid quarter towards the back end of the tour quarter. Is there a, a concern at some stage that this is going to catch up with them, you know, potentially not tonight before they're down the line? Yeah, it could. I mean, luckily they're kind of in a run of, of largely lesser opponents and lesser quarterbacks they're facing. Um, you know, tonight will be the first full game without Levante David, um, especially against a mobile quarterback. That's probably, you know, taking defensive speed off the field isn't a thing. Um, They've played okay without Winfield. They've obviously gotten used to being without their top two corners. Um, having Pierre Paul probably helps at the line of scrimmage for sure to get someone back from injury. But yeah, they're 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 definitely shorthanded. That's that's four legit defensive starters that won't be there tonight. Um, it's something they've been able to overcome before, and, and I think they'll be okay with that tonight. Michael, you're up, Marcus. Gone anyway. Oh, he's back. He's here. Sorry. Apologies, Greg. <laughs> Beauty of that um, show. Unfortunately, I'm spotty as the Tampa Bay secondary at the moment. So that's, that's <laughs> on the internet coverage. I was going to say, actually, Greg, Davis Davis Island has Tampa General Hospital, I believe. I think you can find most of the Tampa secondary in there. Uh, very good. Um, look, you know, it's very difficult to talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the moment without talking about Tom Brady. I mean, he might have won a Super Bowl or two. I, I can't remember it. It's it's a hazy memory for me. But one of the underrated aspects is he's he's actually on course this year at the moment to potentially become the first player to break six thousand yards. I think he's averaging three hundred fifty one yards per game, and he's doing it in the moment without Gronk. Perhaps an over reliance upon Antonio Brown. We haven't seen Scotty Miller in the passing offense much this season at all. Who obviously had. To, amazing performance at times uh, during last year, not least in Green Bay. Um, it still seems that they've not really reached their potential. Like the running game is pretty ineffective. I mean, what's your take on the offense and where you see the evolution going, hopefully for the Bucs during the, the rest of this season? Yeah, I mean, part of it is I think they, they literally are overloaded at so many positions offensively where you have so many receivers that you don't even really notice that Scotty Miller is gone. I do think they've missed Rob Kronkowski. Um, especially in the red zone. Uh, but you have O.J. Howard and Cam Brate, who are solid tight ends. And it, it, at the very worst, you, you can lean on Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown, who are all healthy right now. So I think as, as long as those three are healthy, as is Tom Brady, the, the rest are, are secondary parts right now. Um, the run game not being 100% is, I mean, Leonard Fernandez, I think, has actually come a long way in the last two weeks. It has played very well. Um, this is an Eagles defense that's 30th against the run in the NFL. Uh, no one has run the ball more times against any team than the Eagles. So I would think as much as the Bucs like to skew towards the pass, I think this is a good week to take it easy on Tom Brady's injured thumb and, and maybe run the ball 35 times instead of 20 times, maybe to throw the, you know, throw 25 times instead of 45. Um, the game is going to dictate that if they're ahead, they're going to run more. If they fall behind for some reason, they're going to throw more. But I do think um, to some extent, this is a team that has offensive balance the way they want it, um, maybe more so now than they did at the beginning of the year. Um, if they can control the game, they can highlight or diminish any part of this offense they want to, whether it's by injury or for matchup advantages. Um, they kind of have that freedom because they have so many things to choose from. You, you mentioned about balance, uh, Greg. Maybe they can take a note from up the road with Urban Meyer and do 250 and 250 on rushing and passing like he wants. <laughs> the first 250 is what's hard to come by. Throwing for 250, that's like the Bucks do that in half some weeks. Um, rushing for 250, that's uh, that's like even if you get to run the ball 40 times, that's a really good 40 carries to get to 250. You need one of those 98-yard Ronald Jones specials to help you uh, – get closer to that. Even 150, honestly, if they had 30 for 150 tonight, I think they'd count that as a, a major victory. I personally can't wait to hear Mark's questions to Urban Meyer on Sunday in London, but that's a different topic for a different show. <laughs> um, Greg, I'm going to take you back to St. Patrick's Day 2020, when the week the whole world shut down with COVID and stuff. But look, when this Brady news came out, obviously it was, in, it was on St. Patrick's Day here, but even at that moment, did you, did you ever think, you know, it was going to be the Bucs until it obviously started becoming evident? Uh, did any part of you think it's going to be the Bucs, you know, because it must have been from then 
until now, your experience covering this team. Oh yeah, it's, been a, it's a complete roller coaster. Yeah, it changes everything, and it's funny because you go back to that off season, and even late in the year, there was talk that you know Brady might move, and I was was probably almost rude in how quickly I would dismiss it initially. In that it's like, look, Tom Brady is not leaving the the Patriots, and if he did, he's not coming to the Buccaneers. They're a team that hasn't been in the playoffs in thirteen years, and I don't think I really. I mean, I remember the combine is when Bruce. We kind of. I remember the whole thing. Spring twenty twenty was like, gosh. Could they maybe not franchise Jameis Winston and expose him to free agency and the potential loss? And that was a big thing. And then at the combine, you know, we kind of said, well, like, what's an example of a quarterback you'd be willing to pick up the phone for that would make you risk not having Winston back? And he just said, Tom Brady, kind of matter of factly. Um, so I, I don't think it really uh, felt real until he had that tweet where he kind of said goodbye to the Patriots fans. And that was like the wow, he's he's relieving. And then once it's at that point, it's like, who who are you up against here? I mean, like the Titans kind of committed to Tannehill. Um, the Chargers, you felt like you know, West Coast would be a big change for him. Um, and it just kind of came together. And once it happened, it was real. Um, yeah, it's just a, a process of of what it's like. I mean, I think last year being COVID as it was, not really being face to face. We had Brady on, on Zooms. I'm as close to Brady here talking to you guys as I was with him that first year. So you weren't um aware of him as much because of that. There was like a disconnect. But to see the change in the relevance of this team nationally, internationally, um, again, I'm talking to you guys half a world away, you know, and, and you know what it meant. Um, it changes everything. I don't think there's a player you could add in the NFL right now that would change the visibility and the identity of a franchise as quickly as, as adding Tom Brady did here. Craig, you may have heard us obviously beforehand discussing the, the situation. Um, and we're not going to get into that again, but there's a vacancy in Las Vegas, and you have two very good coordinators there in, in Tampa Bay. Um, is it is it a possibility that they could be tempted during the, the season to, to go, or would they more likely want to wait and play this out? Yeah, you don't really see employed NFL coaches leaving for other jobs in season. Um and not really even in the college game that much at all. So the, the problem is that Vegas is first in line now. They've, they've set the – I mean, the nice thing about firing your coach in week or accepting his resignation in week six is that you have a head start on the rest of the league. You can start the process of who you want. Um, and the challenge that all NFL teams face is, are you willing to wait for someone? Because right now, they'll be tempted to try and negotiate with someone who's not a current head coach. I mean, there are good coaches that aren't employed right now that would be viable. Um the sooner a candidate season ends, the worse his team was. So the problem is that it, when you have the first opening in the NFL, the temptation is to make the first hire. And you don't necessarily get to do that. The best hire sometimes, and we remember these Chiefs teams, obviously the Bucks kind of benefited last year from not being available until February. So um, Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich, uh, probably more so Leftwich right now, just because of well the offense is playing, will be very much uh, candidates for head coaching openings. You know, the continued success of this team with every win they have that validates what they did last year, it helps them as candidates. Um, Todd Bowles has been a head coach, obviously very well respected as a coordinator. Uh, Byron Leftwich to be a play caller in a, you know, championship offense, as much as some people want to put that on Brady or on the fact that he's running a, a Bruce Arians offense, uh, Leftwich is three years younger than Brady is. Um, so to be a minority candidate, to be an offensive minded candidate on a playoff championship level team, those are three really strong assets for a coaching candidate. So uh, my question, I guess, is just which teams are willing to wait this year until the Bucs are done with their seasons, because you can't really get too much done with a candidate until they're done and they're, they're able to focus on, on their future instead of their present. Greg, you, you touched on James Winston. Obviously, he's playing for a rival within the division now who's had a reasonably better start that, you know, than more people would have expected with the drop-off you know, with Drew Brees leaving. How do you foresee this division playing out? Do you think it will remain competitive? Are you surprised by how well the Saints have started? The Panthers looked good at the start, but I think it's evident they're so reliant on McCaffrey. So just interested in your thoughts on the division as a whole. Yeah, I had thought going in, I mean, I think most people thought the Saints would be the top challenger to the Bucs in this, in this division. I think to see um, how well things have taken for Winston, I mean, for him to have 12 touchdowns and three interceptions in five games is, is outstanding. That points to him taking care of his mistakes, limiting his, his turnovers, which was always the big hurdle here in Tampa. Um, and as a result, I mean, the Saints defense has probably been better than expected as well. They've done all this so far without Michael Thomas uh, playing it down. So I do think you have to consider them right now. I mean, I think that's the only real big game they have 
between now and Buffalo in December. I mean, you look at their next seven opponents, I think they all have losing records right now except New Orleans. So uh, that Halloween game in the Superdome in New Orleans suddenly looms as a really big game for them. I mean, if they can get a win there, it'll create some separation. They'll have like two games in hand midway through the season for the division lead. Um, but if they can't go in there and win, suddenly uh, all the things that they're trying to line up this year, I mean, the differences they can have in this year versus last year are in where they play their playoff games. I mean, last year they didn't win the division. They went three playoff games in a row on the road, which is not how Tom Brady usually does things to get to a Super Bowl. So the expectation is that this is a different path this year and that they can win the division. They can even maybe contend for a buy in the NFC where not only are you home, you're playing one less game to get to the Super Bowl. Um, but to do that, the first thing they have to do is beat the Saints um, and create some separation. There. If you can do that, um, now your, your worries in the last month of the season are going to be about seeding, um, you know, what can you clinch when. Um, and New Orleans is probably the only team right now that's in the way of that. Carolina, the fact that they get Carolina twice in the last three weeks could make it interesting if they stumble, if they lose some of these games in the next month, these Eagles and Bears and and Jets and those games like that, that they should win, but don't necessarily, I mean, we remember the Bears game last year was a game they should have won and didn't. Um, if they take care of business, a lot of things might be in hand by the time they get to the Panthers and they get to week 17, 18, those kind of games. The, the Bears game where, where Tom was looking for five, five, uh, four, five downs, yeah. Yeah. That's a Thursday night on the road. After He's, He's an old man. We get forgetful sometimes. That's the only thing. Um, uh, look, you got, you mentioned Jameis, Brian. You've got to feel sorry for Jameis. He heard that ESPN were big into 30 for 30, so he tried to match it with his touchdown interceptions. But anyway. Um, Greg, I love the fact that we're talking about um, Byron Leftwich and, and Todd Bowles. I mean, for Game of Thrones fans, like the faith and the crown are the two pillars that hold up this world. And Leftwich and Bowles have obviously been two critical pillars for the Bucks along the way. One of the things that goes under the radar, I feel, is the fact that obviously both of them played in the league. I mean, Bowles was a safety for a number of years, left which obviously a quarterback with Steelers and, you know, a backup and at times as well. But how much do you see that on the ground? You're around the team, around the players, around the interaction with the offensive and defensive coordinators. Do you think that actually is a, an attribute that really helps them in their role and, and what the relationship with the players and the team is like there? Yeah, definitely. I mean, and I think your best coaches are usually former players, ideally at their old positions. I mean, it helps. I think it helps Byron especially in that Byron has literally been a quarterback in Bruce's offense. He knows what Bruce expects. He understands um, the difficulties that come with this offensive system. Um, he's almost uniquely suited for it in that to have someone with coaching experience who's been a player – literally younger than Brady is, but has gone through some of the same challenges that Brady has. I don't think anybody's going to tell Brady a whole lot that he doesn't know, but what he doesn't have a lot of experience with is Bruce and this offense. So that's what makes Leftwich um, especially good to kind of bridge the gap between Bruce and, and Tom Brady. I, I think Bowles on the other side has all the instincts you have as a former player to know. I think the league has changed a lot defensively since Todd Bowles played safety in this league. But again, Kevin Ross, was a great cornerback in this league. Uh, Larry Foote was an amazing linebacker in this league. Um, you, you see these, and it doesn't take away from who Nick Rapone is as a safeties coach that he didn't play safety in the NFL, but I think, especially for younger players, having someone they can relate to, it, it helps in a meeting if you've said, trust me, I know this is tough. When we went up against Jerry Rice, it was hard to. You know, you, you can give them stories that will put what they're dealing with in perspective. Um, you know, Foote played with Bruce in Pittsburgh. So there's a lot of familiarity to where what Bruce likes to talk about is not having to coach your coaches, making sure your staff is an extension of yourself. Um, I think it almost is better for the Bucks to have all of their coaches back, save Antoine Randall L. All of your coaches back is almost better than all of your players because there's no, we're not sure how the new offense is going to look. We're not sure if the pass rush is going to be the same. He knows exactly what everyone in that room does because he's worked with them before here in Tampa, and chances are for decades before that. So the familiarity on this staff is amazing and probably a big part of why they are on the same page as well as they are. Greg, just want to thank you for coming on on a Thursday Night Football show. Obviously, game day, you're a busy man. Just two things before we go with, well, actually three things. First off, we know you'll be down the stretch in January, so you're welcome on anytime. Hopefully, we'll get you on again this season. Secondly, yeah. uh, can you maybe let us know about you know the athletic and how we can find you? And finally... Who have you got tonight in the game, the Bucks or the Eagles? Uh, who do I have tonight? You know, if I had to pick right now, I don't think I've actually had to pick on any of these uh, podcast or radio hits. Uh, you know, the Bucks are like a touchdown favorite, and it's been interesting because 
Um, not having Levante David, not having Gronk, it hasn't really changed the line. I think they're, everyone just thinks they're a touchdown favorite. So I, I tend to think right now that they're going to be able to score pretty well on this Eagles team. Um, I don't know if the defense will show up as they have the last two games holding teams to 17 points, but I kind of feel confident the, Buc the Bucks can get in the 30s without even really straining a whole lot. Um, you look at Dallas, you look at Kansas City, they both scored in the 40s on this team. So uh, right now I like the Bucs to win and to cover. Um, this feels, again, kind of like a 35-24, 35-21 type game right now if I had to pick. Greg, I, I'm jealous that you're back in your own neighborhood and getting to enjoy Philly cheesesteaks, uh, but we'll let you go and enjoy your time in your own stomping ground. And look, thanks again for taking the time to chat to us, and hopefully we'll be chatting to you again in January. All right, guys. Thanks again for having me. Really appreciate it. You guys enjoy the game tonight. Thanks, thanks for the best, Greg. See you, everyone. Bye-bye. And you can catch Greg on The Athletic, as we said previously with the last guest. You can sign up to The Athletic uh, monthly subscription. And just obviously, thanks so for Greg coming on. The comment about the cards was aimed at a different viewer. Uh, so just a heads up. And just it wasn't you, Mark. Don't worry. I know you're on the search for a new team. But... Um, <laughs> No, Michael, I, nobody can confuse me. And no, don't worry. I'm never on a search for another team. Just the, the Patriots next dynasty is just beginning, mate. There are a few comments here. Uh, I'm just checking here now. Uh, Owen Farrell, there, sorry, the first one said Mike Mayock can draft the players he wants to know, but he's also saying they're very poor of Washington football team with the announcement of the retirement of Sean Taylor, number 21, at the next home game. Can I make a point on that? Can I make a point on two of them? The force, the force them. Gruden employs a, a, um, a coach by the name of David Rotanto, and he puts him on the second floor and tells him to, to, to do all the analysis on the college players for the draft. And on the floor above him, Mike Mayock was doing the exact same job. So there should, that kind of shows you the relationship which him and Mike Mayock had. And on the other one, that's pure deflection from Washington for Sunday's game. They know that, that the enormity of what's going on with the week, the scrutiny is going to be on that, that organisation. It has been for quite some time. And for a player who was a really good player and how he lost his life was tragic to have a situation where they announce his retirement jersey three days before a game. It's bad form. It's, it's pretty poor. That type of stuff is announced at the start of the season. Well yeah, it's, it's, it's outrageous. Honestly, it's, it's completely disrespectful to his family and to use yeah. that and a player who they know fans respond to. Like he is absolutely worshipped and rightly he's an absolute legend amongst uh, their fan base to use that to deflect um is absolutely ridiculous and washington should be ashamed of that and the good thing is a lot of washington fans have come out today i thought it's a good team but it's it's evident across all teams and all supporters yeah. that this is something that they've put together to try to save face for something yeah i i'll, I'll be honest michael i, I was surprised in the first instance that his number hadn't already been retired it was one of those wait hadn't they retired that already because a they should have and b just like the guys have said i mean i there aren't really words to properly describe how cheap lousy naive you know impotent pathetic disgraceful what they're doing in relation to the memory of sean taylor and, and you know i mean do you expect anything different from the franchise i mean at this stage, no. You really but don't. There's, a, there's only one good team to, that can come out is on Sunday, Michael, and I'm sure you'll you'll feel the exact same sentiment. Paddy goes in and gives them a good beat down. I, I will I will say it's it's the owner, I feel, rather than the franchise. I mean, look, Washington has some um, some great fans, um, great history at that, but that current owner... I yeah, I mean, I mean the the owner when I say the franchise, Colin. You're absolutely right, and no disrespect to the fans or the team and the players. Well, there is no. That's really the are. problem, though. The fans have given up on it. If you look at the match last weekend at home to the Saints, there was practically half the stadium was empty. Now we'll probably be full this weekend because Chiefs will travel, and you know the fact that Mahomes is coming to town, it will get crowded. But it's been called out on numerous shows this week how disappointingly poor average attendance there and it has been for quite some time so obviously the fans are just going through with the whole situation as well, well, well michael we'll have to get anton de beck back on and have you edit a 50 minute conversation down to 15 minutes again for Super he's Bowl. a busy man at the minute though he's a he's a busy man at the minute he's, he's uh, anton is now a judge on strictly or whatever you boys call it down the water there dancing with the stars um I would like to thank brian o'leary for reminding me that patrick mahomes is on my bench and i was starting tom brady thank you just 
change it up there on fantasy. I, I, look, we needed our picks because we need to get some rest, boys, before before London. But uh, is there any final any final points anybody wants to make before we get the picks presented by Matchbook Betting Exchange? That's far ahead of the picks. I have a funny feeling I know where we're going with it. Okay. okay. Here we go. <laughs> Presented by Matchbook Betting Exchange. Good to have Mark back on the show again as well to do that. Yeah, feeling good. Right. Eagles three, four and one. Presented by Matchbook Betting Exchange. Code Irish NFL show gets you a bonus on your initial deposit in both Sterling and Yo-Yos. Eighteen plus. Gamble aware. Only gamble what you can afford. Column. Mr. Fermoy from Cork, who have you got? Well, I, I look, the, I, I, I can imagine what everyone is going to go with, but um, Bo said, you know, is it, a, is it a trope that Brady doesn't like pressure up the middle? No, it, it's not. It's fact. Uh, we had um, Wade Phillips tell, tell us that. And if there is anyone who can get pressure up the, the middle, it is the this Eagles team. And, you know, um, you, you heard Brady during, during the week, they like, look, Seattle have the 12th man and uh, the Raiders have the black hole and everyone likes to think they have raucous fans. They are lunatics in Philly um, in the best possible way. And they are going to make it uncomfortable uh, for for Brady and his injured finger. Um, Hargrave is having an absolute um, fantastic season. They intercepted Sam Darnold uh, three times. Um, there, there are ways. I mean, they gave up, as I said, um, they gave up 275 yards to Jacoby Brissett. Um, and Lamonte David is, uh, you know, out as well. So... I, I can see a way that the this Eagle team can win. I really can. But you can't bet against Brady. So I'm going the box. Yeah, in a season where the Bucks offense is averaging around 30, I think it's 33, 23.5 points per game. And the only game where they've really been held up is that game in New England where, you know, Bill, Bill put a good plan in place to slow them down. and But they rebounded last week and the... Look, there's concerns around the Eagles' defense, and for me, the Bucks will put up enough points. I think, in a way, if I look at it from the, similar to the Cowboys game against the Eagles on Monday night. The Eagles put up over 20 points, but the reality is, when you're going up against an offense as good as the Bucks and as good as the Cowboys have been this season, it's very difficult to hold them down. So for me, Brady's nine and one after having three days rest throughout his career. He's going to hit the magical ten tonight. Bucks to win and cover that minus seven, which Greg alluded to. Which you can get on matchbook.com. Uh, Greg also alluded to the mobility, actually, of Jalen Hurts as a, a runner. And there was a little moment, I think, in week ones and one and two, you were kind of wondering, hey, are the Eagles trying to develop almost like a Baltimore North here? Are they trying to evolve uh, an approach with lots of read option, great running game, kind of mirroring a little bit what Lamar Jackson is doing uh, in, in Baltimore with John Harbour, obviously? Uh, there's only two slight problems for that. One is Jalen Hurts isn't as good a runner as Lamar Jackson, and B is he definitely can't throw the ball as good as Lamar Jackson. And I don't know if that's a compliment in the best of times either. At the time, you know, fairness, Lamar did go 37, 43, and 400 odd yards. So. 300 yards and 400 yards in his last two games. I just, I did oh, say, I did well, correct. Welcome, Vic Fangio, to the show. Oh, hello, Vic. You don't think Lamar can throw the ball? Oh, he's got to show you. Colum, Colum, in fairness, prior to that game in Denver, he hadn't thrown for over 250 yards in 17 games in a row. I know. He he listened so, to you tell him that he hadn't thrown for 250 yards, and he's got another oh, two weeks in a row. Was there all week. Big, I was like a big fan of the show, Lamar Jackson. Boys. All right, boys. Calm so, the bat. Any, anyway, Calm Michael, the bat. I was about to allude to John Harbaugh's disappointment as well of losing that rushing record that was so important, obviously, when he they didn't crack 100 yards against the Colts on Monday night. But that being said... The one problem is you can't, you know, the, the Bucks secondary is is vulnerable. We've seen it actually in all the games so far, but their run defense is pretty strong still. I watched that Patriots game. The Patriots ran for minus one yards uh, in relation to that game. So the way in which the Eagles might attack can be protected. Jalen Hurts, I'm sorry, still can't throw the ball accurately more than 15 yards down the field. He can get lucky every now and then, but he has not shown he is a deep ball thrower. 
And the other point is Tom Brady, as Bo was alluding to, will pick and tip and chuck his way down the field in against a very soft secondary. It's the Bucks all the way. Forget about the seven and a half spread. Let's go 14 and a half. Let's see. No. Come on. The Bucks are going to win this game. Um, it's not happening for the Eagles tonight. And you know what? I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning at like four in the morning. Like, oh my God, what a performance in the Eagles. Not, I think the Bucks will win this comfortably. I think it'll be over by halftime. Um, I think, I, I honestly, boys, I think all this Brady injury talk is bull. And I think they're trying to get the Eagles to plan effectively on the run. I think Brady's going to go out and throw it. 350 yards, four touchdowns. I think he's fortunate if he has a tummy injury, he's still playing at the right He's at the time of year where the weather is still not too adverse. If this was a game towards late November and he had a tummy injury, you might see a different situation. I know he's used to playing in cold weather, but I'm just saying, still have an adverse reaction to it. Yeah, yeah I mean, I like, he's, he's had thumb injuries. In, Mark, yeah? Yeah, he's had thumb injuries in January, Michael. It was a small AFC Championship game. Oh, yeah, against the Jags. Sure, he'll be fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, remember the, do you remember the Jaguars were one game away for Super Bowl? Like, Jesus Christ. Like, that, boys, that I'm was... Sure, that game away, yeah. I sure, there was a fumble, then, which that was returned for a touchdown, then it wasn't a fumble, even though it was a fumble. But then, sure, the photograph last week of uh, Brady, Sherman, and the referee and say, it's great to see three, three guys together as teammates again. I can believe it. And I also can believe that we're going to be in London this Sunday morning, 9 a.m., live with the Irish NFL show from opposite Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Got some breaking news, a special guest this week on the show. Mark Cockerell will be live on Sunday morning from <laughs> from Tottenham. I'm just excited to do it. Then we're all in the stadium after. We're going to annoy Roger Goodell, etc. And uh, yeah, let's see how we all behave. But uh, looking forward to it, boys, this Sunday. And also, Colin, meet up on Saturday night. Meet up on Saturday night in the Fiddler from 7 o'clock. Be delighted to see uh, people uh, there. It should uh, should be a good night uh, in anticipation of, um, you know, so Sunday. And uh, we, I, I think, um, we last, like, this could be, could be, and we'll give our pick Sunday, but this could potentially be the week when a rookie QB does get a victory. Or is in with a shout anyway. Yeah, no, Brian, we're giving away two tickets as well. Oh, are, oh, are we okay, Brian? That's fantastic news. I know it's great to give fans an opportunity to win tickets. We did last week, and it was well received by I can't recall the name, the guy who won, but it was well received. And obviously, he had reason for wanting to be in London to see family, so he was delighted. And hopefully, we can, you know, make someone's weekend and give two tickets away to them as well. But for the game itself, yeah, no rookie as a touched on last week. No rookies ever won in London. Didn't happen last weekend. And uh, be interested to see what we see what comes of Trevor Lawrence. And Tua's back as well. So it's the matchup that we were hoping for, Tua against Trevor. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Tua as well. And Mark, not, not forgetting this new hero of the show. Uh, I still have no idea who this guy is. But just, just one final appearance. Is he going to be there on Sunday? I have no. I, I want to meet him on Sunday. It's not Sunday you want to be concerned about. It's Saturday night when Lemo arrives in, you know. So I'll be on the Deep River Rock, boys. I'll be on the Deep River He's going to get his driver. He's going to get his driver to bring him over. It'll be a bit like uh, the end of the commitments, if you've heard of that film, uh, Michael. You know, I know you're a very young lad, but the, at the very end of the film, when he comes looking for Gallagher's, only to find out that it's closed. And I'd say that could be what Liam's situation is on Sunday, when he rocks up in the killboard, only to find out that the bar is closed and his driver takes him on home. He's due well, to go to the, the charity event on Saturday night, but he plans to join us. And he said he's really... Looking forward to having a chat with you. But yeah, but Michael, Limo might be there, but there's a couple of Dolphins who haven't even got on the plane, um, which is going to affect their team on Sunday. And I know we'll break it down in more detail on uh, Sunday for the, everybody watching the show, but I want everybody to bear in mind one of the key stats of this season already. The great, great, wonderful Urban Meyer and obviously the uh, rookie phenom Trevor Lawrence, unfortunately presiding over a team that has now lost 20 games in a row. Oh, here. 
And you can't go to the press conference on Sunday with that. Well, Hold on, who's Michael, going to each We can't. Michael, I mean, I could refer them to the 1976-1977 expansion Bucks as they're playing tonight, who lost 26 in a row. Or we could go back to the Chicago Cardinals in the 40s, who lost 29 in a row. But we are verging on historic levels of ineptitude. Even the Browns, in the depths of despair, didn't lose 20 in a row, I don't believe. So... You know they're they they're, they're going to make they're, they're on the way to make history, Michael. But London might be their saving grace. Well, uh, Mark and Brian are going to go to the winning locker room on this Sunday, I think, by the sounds of it, uh, because I don't think anybody's going to be looking forward to metaphors at the end. But uh, look, boys, looking forward to it. I want to thank everybody that's watched the show over the last few weeks. Everyone watched last Sunday, Monday, Thursday. The time for talk is over. We are London bound in about. 36 hours. Avec Bells on. Con, you're going tomorrow to London as well. Looking forward to it, boys. See you live Sunday morning. And I guess until then, it's long as well. Saturday night in the Fiddler. And don't forget, the Irish NFL show is available in podcast format if you are looking to catch up on your commute to London. Mm-hmm. See you in what? Belfast International Airport at 10.30 a.m. on Saturday morning. Somebody is buying the pints. Good luck.